This podcast contains mature content, including, but not limited to, profanity, sex, nudity, wait, what? And the occasional spoilers. Oh, God. This episode contains content that may be triggering to some of our listeners. Please check the episode description for more information. <laughs> the sounds of podcasting. I tell you what. We yeah. do some vocal runs to get warmed up. <laughs> me, 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 me. Okay, I'll buy the book. Okay, I'll buy the book. Hello, Becky. What are you doing today? Oh, I'm just not doing much of anything. I had a two-day weekend this week instead of a split bedpost weekend like I normally do. Yes. Normally, it's Friday, Sunday. Uh Uh-huh. This week, I get Saturday, Sunday, which is super cool. So I'm hanging out in my onesie and talking to you. That sounds amazing. Yeah, Absolutely. and then later on, I will be heading to the theater. <gasps> For your performance. Yeah, so I'm currently in a show called The Christmas Express. It mm-hmm. is a delight from start to finish. But we have only had one performance go off without a hitch. Oh, God. So, opening night. The show's running along just fine, and my character exits the stage. So, the scene that's about to happen is where these characters in the town are at the train depot practicing their Christmas carols. Mm-hmm. The character Myrna is leading the songs and directing everyone and all that, and the scene revolves heavily around her character. So, stage manager comes up and says, Myrna has a nosebleed. She will not be able to go on. What? (laughs) You're just going to have to skip the song and then go with it. And I'm thinking, what the shit? So there are some characters that have not gotten the message that Myrna will not be entering. And so when I enter early, my friend looks at me as if a hippopotamus had just walked on stage. (laughs) She's like, it's it's a cross of surprise and horror and anyway it was just so we had to ad-lib the rest of act one and she wasn't able to come on until act two and during intermission i walked backstage and she's just sitting there with a giant tampon stuck up her nose wow did you pull it off okay we crushed it awesome we just had to skip one of the funniest scenes so how is your holiday season going so far horribly (laughs) oh no Everyone is sick. Everyone is sick. (laughs) My youngest, his class only had five students in it yesterday out of 29. Jesus. I know. Like, it's bad. There's like such horrible lung shit going around up here right now. It's just awful. Wow. Instead of tidings of comfort and joy, it's tidings of illness and woe with you, right? Tidings of... Mucinex and Dayquil. I'm telling you, it's. <laughs> I'm very ready for this to be passed. Well, let's cheer you up a little bit. Let's talk about a book. Speaking of cheer, what kind of book are we reading today? Let's do a holiday book, specifically <gasps> Christmas. A holiday book? A holiday book, baby. Yeah. I'm here for that. I am here for that. Yay. So this week, we read... Kiss Her Once for Me by Alison Cochran, who many of you will know from her previous book, The Charm Offensive. 
Yay, the charm offensive. It's been very popular read. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited about this. I first heard about this book from actually the narrator, Natalie Nottis, who is one of my personal Joel Leslie's. Um, uh huh. <laughs> Such a fan of her work. Always, always enjoy what she does. She did um, One Last Stop. I Kissed Mm -hmm. Cheryl Wheeler. She Who Became the Sun. She has done some really remarkable work. And I was just so thrilled to listen to this. And by the end of the book, she was crying and I was crying. And it was just (laughs) wonderful. She did such a remarkable job. I'm such a fan of hers. Yeah, Natalie's great. Doesn't she have a a presence on tiktok she has a presence on tiktok and instagram and twitter she's a force she's absolutely hilarious very big fan of her she's just a generally very sweet person that's wonderful so kisser once for me is the story of ellie the book starts off last christmas ellie is depressed because her flaky ass mom ditches her on christmas and ellie's finds herself in this amazing bookstore that I really want to go to. She's crying and talking to the footstool and she goes to get a copy of Fun Home because she loves it and it always makes her feel something. And she brushes hands with this Asian American badass looking woman, kind of butch with tattoos. They end up spending the day together and they have such an emotional connection that Ellie falls in love with her in the span of 24 hours. Fast forward to this Christmas. She is working at a coffee shop. She's having a really rough time of it. Her boss is an asshole. She's about to get evicted from her apartment because she has to keep sending her mom money. She is just having a terrible day, and she says something about the coffee shop being a shithouse or whatever. The landlord happens to be right behind her and says, it's a what now? He actually ends up asking her out for drinks and they have this conversation. He's like, I had ulterior motives with, I'm up for an inheritance from my rich grandfather, but there's a stipulation I have to be married. Would you like to fake marry me and I'll give you 20% of the $2 million inheritance? And she's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And, And so they continue to drink and they wake up the next morning. She's in his bed And they have drunkenly made a marriage contract where they agree to get married and they've posted engagement pictures all on social media. (laughs) And it's this huge thing. And everyone's like, you're engaged. So she ends up going with him as his fiance to their family cabin for Christmas. And who does she meet there? Snow girl. It's Andrew's sister. Her name is Jacqueline. She was introduced last year as Jack, and Ellie had no idea they were related. So it's a total while-you-were-sleeping thing going on. And it's the story of how Ellie's relationship with Jack get rekindled, her fake relationship with Andrew, and then the love that she develops for the family causes all of this drama. And it's a great little holiday tale. It's got humor drama, warmth, and lesbians, and it's just a a lovely little time. Let's go, lesbians. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) It was such a sweet and charming book. I swear every other page was a meet-cute opportunity. You just turned the page and you were like, aw, aw, Uh 
Oh, there's another one. It was very true to who Alison Cochran is as a writer. Very charming, very relatable. The characters Mm -hmm. all had some flaws that were very well fleshed out. And like you said, yeah, it had such heavy while you were sleeping vibes for me. It was like indecent proposal meets while you were sleeping meets a Hallmark holiday film. Uh It was so precious. I loved that Jack's name was Jack because in While You Were Sleeping, the one she falls in love with is Jack. Jack. Her name is Lucy in the movie. And then in the story that Ellie writes, one of her characters' names is Lucy. Yeah. The whole time I was just sitting there secretly fangirling because that is probably my all-time favorite Christmas movie. I love that movie. That's a family favorite. We quote that dinner scene all the time. Ugh, these mashed potatoes are so creamy. <laughs> Cesar Romero was not Spanish. I didn't say Cesar Romero was Spanish. Well, what did you say? I said he was tall. <laughs> <laughs> the one line that my family constantly quotes is, do I like Jello?" <laughs> he's sitting in the, the ICU in the and they've bed. told him he's had amnesia and he's like, do I like I do. Jello?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> Joe Jr. was. I, <laughs> your hair is looking very big tonight. You are the nicest looking woman on the third floor. <laughs> Joe Jr. is still single. Yeah, that's a shocker. <laughs> Were you trying on my shoes? I slipped. <laughs> They've got 900 numbers for that. Who told? <laughs> We could literally sit here and just quote that entire fucking movie. Oh, my God. Please. (laughs) If you haven't watched this movie, please do so. I think it's on Disney+. Plus. It will quickly become your very favorite holiday movie. You will hum the music all through Christmas time. It's just wonderful. And if there were anyone that could ever be Meemaw, it's Elsie. Linus Johns. Oh, Right? The whole time Meemaw was talking in my head, all I heard was just little Elsie sitting there, sitting there talking about eggnog. Or he's got more room in his jockey shorts. (laughs) Yeah, she's very, very Meemaw. She's like, I don't drink anymore. I don't don't drink drink any any less either because those grandmas (laughs) and their booze. Oh, my goodness. So he's like, oh, we're going to my parents' cabin. It's a wooden mansion. Yeah, it's like a ski chalet. Yeah. She meets the family, Catherine, the mom, and then Mima and grandma. And these old ladies, they constantly are drinking something. Or smoking. They're constantly drunk and or stoned. Yeah. <laughs> I even made a note about the the grandmas. I was like, the grandmas are always drunk. I'm hanging with them. Right? Oh my gosh. Everyone should have a Mima. Everyone should have a Mima. She's so intuitive. She's the first one to figure anything out, mm-hmm. but she's just chaotic. And I love her. Mm-hmm. She was wonderful. Yeah, she was great. And then Grandma just getting all the weed. <laughs> I remember less about Grandma and so much more about Mima, just because I think my spirit bonded to Mima. Mm hmm. I would go to the mansion for $200,000 and some time with Meemaw. Oh, there would have been no question for me. Hands down. You could have probably left out the $200,000 and I would still have gone. I do have to say, Andrew's hot. At first, I was almost rooting for him. It's like, no, I want you to fall for him. Yeah. I liked him. I did feel that he reeked of pretty boy privilege. 
Oh, totally. You still liked him enough to cheer for him a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because she gets there and she figures out that Jack is Andrew's sister and she meets Jack's best friend, Dylan, who is Mm non-binary. They are a friend of the family that has been around for a long time. And Andrew and Dylan used to have a little something going on. Mm -hmm. So you have that dynamic at play. And she's like, did you bring me here as a sexual repressant (laughs) so that you could like keep yourself from fooling around with Dylan? And he's like, uh, kind (laughs) of. Maybe. (laughs) Perhaps. I liked Dylan's character a lot. I don't think you were supposed to, but it was just their no fucks given attitude that I really enjoyed. From the first moment. Oh, yeah. There's no let's warm into this character. It's like you're telling me that you're engaged. Who the hell are you? Yeah. And we would all have moments like that if, say, the person that we had most recently been involved with showed up with someone out of nowhere and what was it like a three months since they had seen each other last and they were engaged oh yeah and anyone who knows me would automatically assume there was money involved so (laughs) i'm not getting in a relationship without some sort of contractual payment (laughs) i really liked their personality i know you're not supposed to but i liked how suspicious they were from the very beginning like Mm -hmm. this is crap yeah that would be rather obvious it's only been three months And this girl is clearly not who he would normally go for. It's, you know, what? You're a poor barista? Yeah, right. I liked also that they were very adamant about the fact that it was obvious that something was up. They were so on it just the second it happened. Mm -hmm. I really liked that Dylan just went straight to Andrew about it immediately. Just right right in the door. They're not going to dick around with anything. Straight off the bat. Who is this? What's going on? What aren't you telling me? Mm -hmm. Tell me what's going on. Sure, Dylan could have absolutely handled it better and maybe more quietly. But I do appreciate that instead of sitting there and letting it bubble and fester, Dylan went straight to the source. Yeah. Because you see that for so many plot lines, you just see it boil and boil and boil. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, Mima figures it out real quick (laughs) and keeps it to herself. Mima's on her game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we mentioned that Dylan is loud. Yeah. That's nothing compared to Jack. Jack is a perpetual shouter. Mm. She's always talking loudly. Even when she whispers, it's not really a whisper at all. And she even stomps around. (laughs) She's got a real heavy gait. She's such a butch lesbian. You can hear her coming from anywhere. Uh Uh-huh. Everyone knows when Jack is near. Jack is a baker and she works at this bakery Mm -hmm. and lives in an Airstream because she refuses to be reliant on the family money. Right. And she also wants to open up her own bakery and she refuses to use the family's money. So the stipulation about this inheritance that's been left by their grandfather is that there is $2 million. One million is supposed to go to Andrew. The other one is supposed to go to Jack. However, the grandpa's a dickhead and writes Jack out of the will for being lesbian. So Andrew is getting everything. When he wrote Jack out of the will, he put a stipulation on Andrew that he would have to be married in order to inherit the two million. And Mm -hmm. this whole time, Andrew has been planning on getting the money and giving Jack her half. Andrew conveys this to Ellie. And so now, knowing that it's Jack and there's all this money on the line, she feels this pressure to marry Andrew so that Jack doesn't lose out on this money. Yeah. Jack immediately pulls her aside and is like, what the hell are you doing here? 
How do mm-hmm. you know my brother? How are you engaged to my brother? It's not clear in the beginning. Allison does keep a secret of how their original day ended. And mm-hmm. so you really don't know what transpired. And you find out that Ellie was in the Airstream after their night of passion. Jack's in the shower. There's a knock at the door. And it's this woman. And the woman's like, oh, I'm Jack's wife. A what? Yeah. Jack is married. So Ellie's like, are you kidding me? She feels sort of played because she's spent the last day falling for Jack. Oh, yeah. They've got such a deep emotional connection. She's devastated by this. So before Jack's out of the shower, she leaves. She ghosts and doesn't see her until she meets up with her with Andrew. Yeah. So Ellie doesn't know that they've been dabbling in polyamory Mm -hmm. at the wife's request. Right. And the wife has been pushing Jack to have a one-night stand Mm -hmm. so that she feels better about her own polyamory. Jack is completely willing to be monogamous and would prefer that. But she's going along with it, and then that kills the relationship. Anyway, Jack does not know why Ellie ghosted, and she was hurt because she felt that connection too. But Ellie now thinks that it didn't mean anything to her, Mm -hmm. and so they both spent a year apart thinking that the other one didn't really feel anything. And so what happens is they rekindle and that spark is immediately back and Mm -hmm. they start to spend time together and they really connect. And this was one of my favorite parts, the snowball fight. Yeah, that was sweet. That was one of the best scenes. Catherine, the mother, has a schedule down to the minute. So family movie night, three hours, cookie baking, six hours, snowball fight. It's not a snowball fight, but it's family photos that turn into a snowball fight right and so they end up dividing into teams at first but then it's every man for himself and at one point jack tackles ellie and it's this whole like moment yeah and they end up finding themselves alone and it's just ellie and jack so Mm -hmm. there are all of these moments where it's like oh this is so inevitable oh yeah no two people were clearly meant to be together more than Ellie and Jack. You know what I mean? It's like you just get that sense from the way that the circumstances play out. I think that the circumstances played out that way at least two of the times due to Dylan. They were all like, Mm -hmm. Andrew and I are going to go do this. You Uh guys can do whatever you want. Yeah. Andrew's just going to go with me. The fact that Andrew spent so much time apart from Ellie, it's Mm -hmm. like, how is no one else asking any questions here? Well, at one point, like the whole family turned and looked at Ellie after Andrew left with Dylan again. And they were all like, shouldn't you be the one to go comfort Andrew? Yeah. But before she could even move, Dylan was up out off that table and and, uh, was like, I'll get it. Yeah. Hmm. Kudos to Dylan for knowing exactly what they wanted and uh, going at it with all cylinders. Gusto. Yeah. There's a gusto busto. I'm sure there was probably a kinder way to do all of that, but too many people just sit around and watch what they want walk by, and Dylan's just not having it. Dylan also doesn't buy it, so I think that's one of the main reasons Dylan is just like, yeah, I'm seizing every opportunity. Yep. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite scenes is in a cabin. They have all gone skiing, and again, Dylan has divided the group and the Mimas are one place with the mom, and Dylan and Andrew are off doing Black Diamond level skiing. So we have Ellie and Jack left together. Mm-hmm. Jack spends the whole day trying to teach Ellie how to ski, and it's just a hot mess. 
you know that Ellie is totally Bridget Jones up on that mountain. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no way she knows how to ski. And she's so stressed out about it. She's in tears. She doesn't want to. She just wants to find a way down the mountain. In the midst of all this, there's a giant snowstorm coming. And the family starts breaking up. Uh-huh. On their way back, they're on the ski lift. And they look down. And what do they see? Andrew and Dylan making out. Color me, not even remotely surprised. Nope. And Jack is like looking at Ellie thinking like, you're not upset about this. And Ellie's just like, meh. In Ellie's (laughs) brain, all of a sudden she's like, freedom, you know? Yeah, you can tell she's relieved. Yeah, that just gives leeway to what happens next. While they're learning to ski, word of a giant snowstorm gets out and the Mm -hmm. family calls and they're like we're gonna go ahead and go and she said jack is fine they've got their truck we'll make it home we're not worried you guys go ahead and go we'll get to the bottom of the mountain and follow you home Mm -hmm. well of course i mean it's a romance novel so they're stuck in a snowdrift jack is like okay i know a cabin over here it's owned by some friends we'll just go over there and hang out until the snow passes the cabin's unoccupied they break in Uh all of a sudden all they have is blankets and other people's clothes to get warm in and ellie's having a panic attack and jack is calming her down and all of a sudden it's sexy time oh it's sexy time But the entire time you're watching this go down, you're like, this is meet cute, at least number 12 for this entire book. Mm -hmm. There are so many situations that these characters get put into that you're like, that's adorable. And how have you not stripped off all of your clothes and dicked her down yet? I mean, yeah, there are there are enough little moments, individual moments that are so romantic comedy that you could stock Hallmark for a year. My God, right? Just so many. But the scenes in the cabin are fucking hot. (laughs) Those were excellent. Well done, Alison Cochran, because I had to stop what I was doing. I was doing, Mm -hmm. it was, what was I doing? I was doing the dishwasher, I think, when I was listening to it. And I was like, "Mm mm-mm. I have to stop. This requires full attention. So, yes, Allison Cochran can write a real sexy scene. It was wonderful. But yes, Allison Cochran. Well, well done. It was very tender. And the way that Jack came through for Ellie in the end and really became a source of comfort to her. I really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. Because Ellie's really going through stuff. You know, she's about to be evicted. She has her shit mom that's always on her ass. Especially after she finds out that she's engaged to Andrew, she's like, maybe we can get money out of him. Mm -hmm. When they call it off, the mom gets pissed and Ellie says, no more money, mom. And she just hangs up. Mm -hmm. She really calls her out. The mom says something along the lines of, you would treat your mother like that. How dare you? And Ellie's like, maybe if I had a parent that told me differently, I would have. But you never parented me. And in fact, you're billing me for getting knocked up and raising a child. Yeah. Because she says that she has kept a bill going um, and now is like, okay, you owe me all this money because I spent all this money raising you. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it wasn't Ellie's choice. No. So that's not on Ellie. Yeah. Yeah. No, the parents are crap. It's just unfortunate. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm low key resentful that I was born without my own consent, but at least I'm not getting charged for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the things that I like about the relationship between Ellie and Jack is that Ellie comes out about midway through the book as demisexual. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. She requires a emotional connection before any type of sexual activity comes into her, her mind at all. She's very interested in the emotional and mental connection far more than the physical connection. And you see that with Jack many times throughout the book that Jack is willing to stop whatever they're doing and be there for Ellie. Even when they're being very intimate, there's this, a part where Jack just stops and is like, okay, we're, mm. we're not going to move forward until I know that you are 100% ready for what we're doing and you are okay with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I respected the hell out of that. And there's another moment where they're getting ready to start being physical. And she's like, no, wait, are you, know, are you sure? We haven't known each other a super long time. I want to make sure that you're not getting rushed into something that you're not ready for. Mm -hmm. I really liked that Jack was willing to move at the pace that Ellie was looking for. Mm -hmm. And so they're at the cabin and Ellie's having her meltdown. Yeah. Because Ellie confesses that she's not marrying Andrew and she doesn't tell her the whole story. Right. But she's starting to freak out and they decide to take it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. And so they get back to the house and Ellie is immediately like, Andrew, we can't do this. We have to tell him. Mm -hmm. Andrew agrees with her. Andrew comes out first saying, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I have to tell you, I slept with Dylan. Yeah, because the whole time she's called it this weird love trapezoid thing (laughs) because she's engaged to Andrew and Jack and Dylan are best friends, but Jack is sleeping with Ellie and Dylan is sleeping with Andrew. Mm -hmm. She calls it a love trapezoid. (laughs) And I like that, but they decide to come out with it. Well, key factor here, a big theme of this book is failure. And Ellie is an artist and feels like she's failed at life. She is expecting to fail, Mm -hmm. whether it's in her career or a relationship or whatever it is that she's doing. That's just what she feels. And so when she was in school, she was a very talented artist off the top of her game, got all this praise from her professors, did very well and was used to being the best. So she gets a dream job at Leica Studios, which is a movie company that produces animated films. So she gets this job and... She found the work very, very challenging and was no longer a big fish in a little pond anymore. And so they let her go. In order to process her life, she starts writing these web comics. She writes a web comic about the snow day that she had with Jack the last Christmas. Then she has another one that's sort of about her life called The Perpetual Suck. She starts writing another one about her experience with Andrew and the engagement and the money and all of these details are in there and she posts it and she starts getting thousands of followers. Well, she's noticed by an editor and she wants to start talking publishing. Right. So she tells Jack this and Jack is like really supportive while Ellie is talking to Andrew and they're deciding what to do. Jack tells the family about Ellie's success and they pull up her comic. And so by the time Andrew and Ellie come back down, they figured out everything. And Jack is devastated. Devastated and mad. She is pissed. Like mad. Yes, she leaves. And that's it. Yeah. She's so mad. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that Ellie could have come out about everything at least twice. Mm-hmm. And in being truthful in the cabin and telling her, you know, no, I really don't want to marry Andrew. She's like, that was your opportunity. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you just tell me then? Why couldn't you have been honest with me from the very beginning? Mm -hmm. 
Because it's revealed that she knows that she's been cut out of the will. Yeah. And that's what they were trying to keep from her. She knew, but she didn't want them to look at her any differently. So that's why she was trying to move forward with getting her own personal loan and doing things along those lines. Mm -hmm. She didn't want them to perceive her as another failure. Mm -hmm. Because she knows that they all assume that she will fail. Yeah. That's how they see her in Mm -hmm. the the family. She is the family sheep. The black sheep. Yeah. Not only does everyone believe that she'll fail but one of the reasons that she's so mad at ellie is that ellie always assumed that their relationship would fail as well Mm -hmm. and so she really really is hurt by that the phrase it's the hope that kills you comes up a lot in this book both characters are just essentially very hopeless but ellie more than jack Mm -hmm. jack is jack is getting to the point because of Ellie, where she's like, no, I can get up and do this. I can start my own company. I can do this on my own. I'm going to show them. And she goes back and she tells Ellie it was because of you and you going out there and pursuing your dream and working at the animation studio that I was like, yeah, no, I actually Mm -hmm. am going to go through and do this. At Christmas, the first year, it's like their fates got switched. Mm -hmm. You know, Ellie took from Jack this kind of doomed sense of woe and helplessness and hopelessness where Jack left and was heartbroken, but took that and turned it into a watch me. Mm-hmm. situation yeah, look yeah. what i can do yeah it's the hope that kills you is something they mention again and again and again throughout this book and it's one of those phrases that you hate to hear because at some point in everyone's life that has been completely true you're hopeful you're hopeful you're hopeful and you get just knocked the fuck out mm-hmm. it's through looking at the hopeless situation and being at the bottom of the hopeless situation that jack was able to pull motivation to move forward and she's now looking at, at Ellie going, okay, you think you're in a hopeless situation? It's time to move forward. Mm-hmm. You can do this. You can do this. She's trying to give her the hope that Ellie's just not ready to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're they're both devastated and Jack's furious and leaves and Ellie ends up going back home. Well, she can't go back to the apartment, so mm-hmm. she ends up moving in with her former co-worker, Ari, and uh, she ends up agreeing to move in with Ari for a while while she tries to figure out what to do. She's there for a while, and Andrew shows up, and he is there to apologize, essentially. He has a proposition for her. Because of everything that transpired, he wants to uphold part of their original napkin contract, Mm-hmm. He gives her an envelope and he says it's not $200,000, but it is something. It's a contract that he's had drawn up with his lawyers and that states that whenever he does get married, she will then be entitled to that 10% of his inheritance. Mm-hmm. And on top of all of that, he also hands her flyer for the soft opening of Jack's Bakery, The Butch Oven. She's like, I can't go to this. I don't want to ruin her moment. She doesn't want to have anything to do with me and all this stuff. And Mm -hmm. so, of course, she ends up going. And there's that moment where she and Ari walk in, like, Mima's there, and the, the family is there, and she gets to see them and everything. And then Jack turns around and their eyes meet. And she starts to walk towards her and Ellie's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what am I going to (laughs) do? Ellie has a breakdown again. She's 
So Jack walks up to her and is like, why are you here? Mm -hmm. She just starts word vomiting. Oh, yeah. There is no other way to explain what Ellie does other than violent word vomit apologies. Mm -hmm. She starts listing off everything she's ever done wrong. And why Jack should never forgive her, how she's been trying to make things better. But, you know, no, I shouldn't be here. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I really, I knew I shouldn't have come. It's just like, yeah. And girl. Then, then she starts listing everything that she loves about Jack as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just this whole jumbled word vomited apology. And she ends up running away because Jack was like, I can't trust this with you. I can't. Right. Because this is the second time that I've been hurt by you. I can't do this again. And Ellie gives her a drawing that she did of the building that Jack took her to and said, I'm going to make this my bakery one day. And then she runs away. Of course, Jack follows her. And it's it's snowing. snowing. And Jack is like, that was humiliating for you. (laughs) <laughs> that was so humiliating for <laughs> that you. was awesome for me but man sucks to be yeah, you right yeah. now and then they then they kiss in the snow and that's the end i loved the last five ten minutes of the book because you can hear natalie Nottis crying oh yeah while she's reading this and i honestly i'm trying to think of any performance in an audiobook where i have heard that emotion put into a scene and I don't think I've heard it it floored me I was not super like emotionally attached to this book Mm -hmm. and then Natalie started crying and I was like (laughs) yeah because why are you crying she she also cries at the cabin when yeah and uh, that was like oh 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 I'm feeling something you know it was a panic cry. And this one was giving in to fate. So I, I made my bed and I'm going to go lie in it and I'm going to cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was that kind of, I made my mistakes. I have to move on type cry. And it was just so tender and so perfectly on point. And I connected so much more with what was happening in the scene because of the way it was acted. And I am just kudos natalie Mm -hmm. i mean shocker we're gonna start like a drinking game or something i'm a fan it was so remarkably well done i'm so happy to have listened Mm -hmm. to this yeah it was it was a really fun read and uh, while i have read charm offensive i like Mm -hmm. this better i I enjoyed this more than i did the charm offensive Mm. i think they're pretty tied for me right now i read charm offensive first so i'm a little Mm -hmm. bit tied to that one but this one was really really sweet Mm -hmm. yeah this one had me more on the edge of my seat. And see, I felt like this one was more predictable. Well, it's like, how was this all going to come crashing down? Yeah. Well, you knew yeah, it was going to. Because it's inevitable. This is like the moment he proposes the whole scheme. It's like, oh, this is going to end so epically bad. Yeah. Well, and when Jack shows up as his sister, you're like, oh, there, there it, it is. is. There it is. And then it's all like, oh, this is going to be bad. So I have to throw this out there for all of my queer girls on TikTok. If Jack didn't give you Hannah Bread Talk vibes, you read this book wrong. All I wanted to do was sit in the kitchen and watch Jack slap some sourdough bread around. (laughs) It just the whole time I was like, I need to go watch some Hannah Bread Talk. If you enjoyed this book and you happen to like extremely nice looking butch bakers, definitely look into Hannah Bread Talk. I have never heard of this person. Surprise. I'm sure there's <laughs> you're on the wrong side of I'm TikTok. sure there's a male equivalent <laughs> somewhere. 
No, the male equivalent of that is the guy who chops wood. Yeah, so... We have another interesting pet name to add to our list that we have going so far. Oh, that's right. I love this list. This is my favorite. <laughs> so, so far on the list, we have Tabby. Uh-huh. From Galaxies and Oceans. Glorificus. From Let's Talk About Love. Now we have our first dog. This is Paul Hollywood. <laughs> For the longest time... I just completely missed the fact that it was a dog. And I was like, why is Paul Hollywood in this book? And then I was like, oh my God, it's a dog. <laughs> I rolled my eyes the moment she said it. I was like, really? Really? Can't you call it something like ginger snap or like, I don't know. Like what would Paul bake? <laughs> Little rye tart. Yeah. Soggy bottom. <laughs> soggy. Here's Soggy. So we have a really good list going. We do. We um, do. I'm not putting legs on the list because legs is a perfect name for that dog. So um, legs from Ari and uh -huh. Dante does not make the list because legs is amazing. Legs is above the list. Legs is so far <laughs> above the list. But yeah, so we have we have three currently on the list. I'm sure there will be more. Okay, Joe. So we're at that time, I think. We're at the time. How do you rank? Kiss Her Once Ooh. for Me by Alison Cochran. Kiss Her Once for Me. So I really enjoyed this. Now, I will say that there are a couple of things that I was instantly annoyed with. Um, I didn't enjoy mm -hmm. the beginning of the book because I feel like the trope of this kind of soft-spoken doormat woman who has shit parents and a shit boss just was a little grading because yeah. I feel like I see that all the time and I would just mm -hmm. like for once the mom or the boss to actually get their comeuppance you know have this moment where you you really stick a landing with a get out of my life sort of thing and right yeah this character needs to grow but do they always have to be so wilty at the beginning and I think that's why I liked the protagonist in Shara Wheeler because she was already a strong individual mm. she grew but she didn't have to get shit on by family and you know what i mean so oh absolutely but after andrew comes into the picture and the proposal was made i really was feeling it and so ellie sort of annoyed mm -hmm. me throughout but overall i'll go with three and three quarters copies of fun home very nice fun home by the way if you haven't picked it up fun home by allison bechdel Mm -hmm. please grab that graphic and, novel and a box of tissues and maybe schedule an appointment with your counselor uh -huh. before you start reading. Check out the Broadway soundtrack to the Pulitzer Prize winning Broadway show, also called Fun Home, a musical adaptation of the book, and especially check out the song Changing My Major. And also Alison Bechdel is um, brilliant. fucking hot. Oh, well, yeah. okay. And brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> so how about you, Becky? For me, it gets three and a half Christmas cookies. Aw. I know. It was really sweet, and I truly enjoyed it. But like you said, Ellie was not a character that I wanted to spend any additional time with. Mm -hmm. Even after her personal growth, I was just to the point where I needed her to stop whining. Mm -hmm. And I get it. She has a panic disorder. She's obviously dealing with panic attacks on a regular. She has anxiety. She's dealing with a lot in her life. But I was so tired of the wine. I even like skipped ahead a couple of times when she was doing her panic stuff. I just couldn't sit there and listen to her freak out mm -hmm. for another half a page. <laughs> Ellie wasn't my favorite. I 
loved pretty much everyone else in this book. Meemaw sold it for Great me. ensemble. So you and I have talked in the past about, this is a little side tangent, but you and I have talked in the past about your preferences in music versus my preferences in mm-hmm. music. You like to listen to mainly female presenting artists, and I tend to listen to predominantly male presenting artists. Mm-hmm. I'm finding that... It is very difficult for me to find a female presenting or a queer female lead that I don't want to smack. (laughs) And this kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier. A lot of them are very Mm wishy-washy and very like, oh, woe is me. My parents were horrible. No one's got their shit together and it's like, I'm a boss bitch. Let me do this. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the reasons I gravitate more towards the male male side of this literature is because oftentimes a lot of those characters come in with far more confidence than any female you see written. And so I'm finding that to be my new norm. I'm noticing that more that I tend to read more male male presenting books just because I think I'm looking for a little more confidence Mm -hmm. in the characters Whereas the books that I read as female presenting characters tend to be more woe is me or more hyper emotional. And that just grates Mm -hmm. on me. So I found that to be an interesting little tangent. I'm glad that you see it too. I'm glad that you noticed that she was a flimsy character and that you see that trait in other females Mm -hmm. written as well. I think that's something that should definitely be addressed. Well, and to add to the fact of, you know, that you tend to read more male books than with the female protagonists, there's also just more written about men. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, yeah. interesting thought or not. Could have been. Yeah, I don't know. It's, just <laughs> it's there. There you go. But yes, we can recommend this one, y'all. Super sweet little holiday read. Pick it up if you're looking for a holiday romance. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be traveling and you want to listen to something or read something. Yeah. Well done, Allison Cochran. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. How about some social media? Ooh, I'll, I'll have a spot of social media. We are on Twitter. Okay, bite a book. Instagram. A gay by a book. Tickety talk. A gay by a book. Gmail. A gay by a book at gmail.com. And here comes the pop quiz. Anchor. Anchor.fm forward slash a gay by a book. <laughs> 17 episodes and he's got it. I got he's it. Got it. <laughs> I, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> Amazing. Very well done. <laughs> Thank Good you. Good job. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a great little bonus holiday episode mm-hmm. for you all. Come back next week for our blooper episode, our hump day, day quickie. quickie. That'll be fun. And then we're going to take a little holiday break and we'll be back after the New Year's. Yeah, yeah. So we will miss you, but we'll be doing our thing. You all do your thing and we'll reconvene next year. Have a happy, happy holiday season. Happy holidays. Bye. Okay, I'll buy the book. Okay, I'll buy the book. Okay, I'll buy the book.